healthcare is such a mess. We all know that. We're pharmacists, we see it all the time. But did you realize that it's not just pharmacists that are struggling? Did you realize that it's actually bigger than us? It's actually a system-based issue. Maybe you've heard it called sick care instead of health care. But there's a lot of questions behind, how do we actually do that? Because if the system's broken, if I'm just one person, what are we gonna do? What can we do? Is there anything to do? Well, that's why I'm so excited for today's guest because I don't have a pharmacist, I have a physician and actually one of the biggest movers and shakers in redefining what healthcare is. She's actually creating a whole movement called Rebels in Wellness to redefine what healthcare is supposed to be from one person at a time. So excited to have to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, Dr. Natalie Gentili. Welcome aboard, my friend. Thank you so much, Adam. Can we get a, there we Super go. Super high five. Yes. It's really exciting to be here. What an honor. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm in her amazing office in Pittsburgh. And yes, there's lots of things happening in the Berg. Mm -hmm. But there's something that I think all of us pharmacists can relate to. We get a call from a physician who sounds burned out, backed up in the schedule. And we, we kind of resonate with that because we feel the same way. And you talk to physicians and they talk about all the paperwork, all the red tape, all the things that they can't like get around. And that leads us to a question, what are we going to do? So we've all had these experiences of physicians, but I wanna take a deeper dive into really what goes on behind the scenes for providers, specifically physicians, and what we can do to change it as pharmacists to really be a part of the solution rather than just complaining about the problem we all know too well. So I just wanna invite you to share where you started because a lot of people can resonate with that. Being a physician, the red tape, um, what you're supposed to do, corporate policy, all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So give us a kind of insight into where you started in your career as a physician and when it was like too much and you had to do something. Mm -hmm. So I was always gonna be a physician ever since I was little, little. And that was, I had kind of this pie in the sky vision of what it was gonna be like. I was raised by a doc who spent time with his patients and his patients loved him, you yeah. know? And he was an OBGYN, but acted like an old school family doc. So that's what I thought it was gonna be like. And what it turns out, that's, that's not there anymore, unfortunately. Um, when you go through medical school training, we're not so much taught about what it's actually going to be like someday when we're out in practice. Yes. You know, you go through the, the clinical rotations, which are wonderful. You know, after you get out of all that book, those book years, you know, and you finally get to lay hands on patients, it's super exciting. Even you go through residency, you're not really taught about the business of healthcare, which yes. is how it's become. Healthcare is a business. Yeah. It is corporatized and there's not a lot of art being practiced in medicine anymore. So you mean to tell me that we're taught this utopia model in school and then we get out in the real world and we're not taught how it really works? I mean, I had no training in like insurance or what that meant or what kind of role that was gonna play in my life. I had no idea how much the burden of paperwork was gonna be in the traditional primary care model. For background, I'm a family medicine physician, which means that I see all ages, all different types of complaints at the front line of medicine. And these are the primary care clinics that are churning and burning patients through them. Yes. Because that's the only way you can make money. Correct. <laughs> In that type of traditional model, you have because you don't 
get great reimbursement and pay for seeing somebody for sinusitis, you know, or for seeing somebody to talk about their needing to lose weight. Like you really don't get any reimbursement for lifestyle medicine, which yes. is the way I practice. Um, and so really talking to people about the, the root of the problems that they're experiencing and trying to help them and empower them, that's not encouraged, nor is it taught in medical training. So then you come out and realize, man, if, if the first line treatment is not a medication, but for most issues, 80 plus percent of issues in our country, the first line treatment is lifestyle habit change, and no one's taught me how to do those things, what am I gonna do? So this is very interesting. So guys, if you think back to pharmacy school, you're taught disease states, conditions, like we're taught medication, but first we have to identify how the body's supposed to work, then where it goes wrong, and then how to treat it. And there's different medications for every single condition, but if you look at the commonalities, there's one thing that is in every single treatment program for every single condition, and that is diet and exercise. So if the same thing is applied to every single condition, but we're not taught about it, something to think about. If we're taught in pharmacy school how to do certain things and how it's supposed to be, and then we get in the real world and we say things like, I was never taught how to deal with this. How come I was never taught this in school? How come what we taught isn't really what I see? something to think about. But the big thing I wanna tie all this together with is we are all like nodding our heads to what we're saying, like what these, these realizations. And that's for pharmacy. But what's interesting is it's happening with physicians too. So when we start to realize the system is actually at the issue, then we can really say, that obviously like that's where it is, but then we get into a corner because it's very scary to go against a big system, especially when it's writing your paycheck. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be no one else in sight. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I know in pharmacy, a lot of us say there's lots of problems, but I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do about it? I, my hallucination is with physicians, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. All of you probably talk and say, oh my goodness, this is so ridiculous. I can't take care of my patients. I get maybe two minutes a day and I feel like I'm not really helping them at all. I know that there's more to the care plan, but I'm not really able to care for them. If you come out of the, most of us come out with about 200 grand in medical school debt. Yeah. So if then I'm finally making a paycheck in my thirties <laughs> after all of these years of training, and now I'm supposed, and I'm sitting here thinking, this is not what I signed up for. But what else? What else can you do? You're you're backed into a corner. And one of the things that I was told when I opened up my direct primary care practice by a mentor was, okay, we as tr traditional primary care docs have two to three thousand patients on our patient panel. You're going to have what three hundred? How are you going to help people if you have that those like that few of patients that you're responsible for caring for? And I looked him in the eyes and said. Do you know all of your two to 3,000 patients? No, I see them because I'm on your team and I see them yep. <laughs> because you can't possibly take care of all of those people. So don't tell me that that's quality care. Yes. It's not, it's siloed care, it's fractured care. There's not integration. And when that starts to happen, things fall through the cracks. How many times have any of you even as patients or heard from family members or heard from friends, I went to a doctor and they said, why are you even here? because they were referred to a specialist with no one talk, you know, no exchange of information about why they were referred, no understanding of why they're on the medications they're on or the conditions they have. So then they wasted dollars, they wasted time, they took time off of work, and that was an appointment slot that that, you know, nobody could get for six months and they waited for. Yes. It's just so 
It's just kicking the can down the line. It's yes. kicking the can down the line. So here you are in a traditional care model as a physician, and you're saying like, this is ridiculous. And my guess is that your boss's corporate, who you're working for said, well, that's how it's always been. And that's how it's going to be. And you're just one person. This is what we're going to keep doing. So eventually you hit a threshold. Mm -hmm. And I know that pharmacists can relate to this as well, where we don't like how things are going. We want to make a change, but what do we do? That's really the question. Yes, there's problems, but what do we do? So you took a leap of faith mm -hmm. and really a, a, a big roll of the dice on yourself, which you had so much commitment and clarity and confidence on mm -hmm. of what you wanted. You got a very clear vision of where you wanted to go. You knew what you wanted. You knew why you wanted it. And from those two, you were able to identify how to make it happen. And the point I really want to drive and really ask you if it's true is all, I think all too often we see an issue and the first thing we ask is, how am I going to fix it? Mm -hmm. We get trapped in the tyranny of how. And if you ask that question, it's not a bad question, but if you ask it first, it will literally trap you in the indecision because you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. But if you first ask, what do I want with clarity? Mm -hmm. And then you ask, how, like, why is this important? Why does this matter? And you tie it to a reason bigger than yourself, mm -hmm. the how will take care of itself. True or true? That's exactly how the past three years have unfolded yes. for me. Mm -hmm. Exceptional. So what I want you to share is how did that actually work? So what was what you wanted? What did you identify as this has to change? Healthcare is messed up. I'm going to change it. What did that look like for you? What was that vision? Mm -hmm. Why did you take action? And then what are you doing today? So I, I, I always think first when I think back on this journey, I really came from a place of privilege. And then I look at that and say, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I had an opportunity and I took it. Yes. And, you know, part of making change and part of building this dream for yourself and getting out of that corner is seeing opportunities, no matter how small they look or how big and just going after them. And so that's what I did. I was, I was gearing up to get my job when we moved back here to Pittsburgh. I was interviewing with the big corporate places. And fortunately, one of my mentors said, that's not how you practice medicine. You're going to be just another person along this cog in the wheel. Like, do not do it. You sit with patients. You spend time with them. You know, you do the lifestyle counseling. You're out doing squats with them on the floor, you know, during a patient visit. You're out walking with them for appointments. That's, you're not going to be able to live that life. Yes. So something's got to change. Have you heard of direct primary care? I went to a direct primary care conference, learned about it on the ride back home from that conference. I was opening my own private practice for direct primary care from another city a, you know, a year in advance um, with my one of my kids, one of the two I was pregnant with. Yeah, I had a little baby and I was <laughs> pregnant with my second one. And that was a huge leap of faith. And fortunately, the support in my family is so epically strong with a husband that you know lifts me up to the universe and uh, you know parents that do the same thing. And so again, when I say I come from a place of privilege, I have support yes. and that support's huge. However, that support is not gonna take the actual steps to do the work. Yes. Um, and so for me, what I saw was I want time with my patients. I want to actually empower my patients and give them the tools and resources instead of saying, you need to lose weight and exercise, bye. I wanted to actually be doing that with them. I wanted to hold their hands through mental health crisis, you know, changes in their lives. I wanted to be there and have that time with them. So the how then just unfolded. Yes. You give them the time. You create the model that has that time. You create the model that, like, literally, I just said, how do I want to play? What, what do I want to do to play? I want to be exercising with my patients. I want to teach them how to cook. I want to spend time with them. I want them to have access to me. It's created right there. So you mean to tell me that 
talking about the problem and doing a bunch of research about what's wrong over and over again mm -hmm. didn't get you where you are today. Right. And you mean to tell me that you need support and community mm -hmm. in order to make it happen. And if you don't have it, you can create it. And if you do have it, you have to leverage it. Mm -hmm. And you mean to tell me that you have to actually take action and risk and get in there and literally do the work to make it happen? Yep. What a concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is the thing, guys. This sounds so simple, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, but how often do we overcomplicate it? Mm -hmm. Because it's the simple things that actually make the difference, but you have to overcome the threshold of fear. Mm -hmm. So once you get very clear on what you want, you get very clear on why you want it and tie it to an ideal that's bigger than yourself, you're going to have the how unfold, but action is required. I'm not trash talking research, but y'all know what I'm talking about. We've got experts that talk about the problem without how do we actually take action to correct the problem. And what Dr. Gentili is talking about with changing things and getting active, this isn't a pie in the sky. Like after this interview, we're actually going to do something that she runs called Walk with a Doc, where we go on a walk with patients to talk about real life stuff, literally walking with them through life. So what this sounds like can actually be done, but work is required. So with all that said, mm -hmm. you took that leap of faith, and how many years ago was this? Three, uh, four years ago, I took the leap of faith, <laughs> and then four, three years ago, I've been in business. So tell us where you are today, what your health model looks like, mm -hmm. and here's the big thing, guys. She did it. She had to prove the concept, but now she is committed to helping others do it too, which is part of your business model. Yeah. So give us a little rundown of like where you are and what's that, what's that look like? Yeah, so three years into being an entrepreneur, I just opened my third business now. So the first business was my medical practice. Um, and from that, uh, a colleague of mine who is a direct primary care doc in Pittsburgh, she opened the first direct primary care practice in Pittsburgh. She and I realized that we wanted to join forces and help other docs do this because it's really scary to go it on your own. Um, but we wanted to make sure that docs had the autonomy, which yes. is what we were going for. We didn't want to be owned by anybody. So the second business we opened together, actually, and it's um, a non-clinical entity that helps share services amongst docs who want to do direct primary care. And we mentor and help and um, help raise their ships as well. Um, and the third business now I realized is like um, the, the thing I've wanted since I had my first real thoughts about what I wanted to do when I grow up. Um, I always knew I wanted to have a wellness space. Yes. Um, and now I've learned at 34 that that word drives me bonkers. <laughs> but what Amen. I real because it has so many connotations, yes. which is why I developed being a rebel in wellness because rebelling against that wellness industry, much like I'm rebelling against our traditional healthcare industry, um, by actually giving patients the tools, giving patients the fitness space where we are learning the how and why behind the exercise we're doing, um, giving the space with a teaching kitchen where we're teaching the community the how and why behind our eating interventions, um, and also having access in that space to herbal medicine, um, to therapists that will be in the same space, not associated with the business, but there can be warm handoffs for mental health help. Yes. Um, and then my medical practice will be adjacent to it as well. So I can take a patient and walk right over from the clinic um, into that space if, if wanting, if you know we want to. So it's really what I've realized overall in this direct primary care model is that healthcare is very siloed. Everything is siloed into specialists and the pharmacy and you know everything's and the therapists are over here and nobody's working and integrating together. Yes. And I'm tired of it. So I decided to start integrating it myself. Exactly. So now you have a space. So you where you came from was, you know, white walls, mm -hmm. red tape, mm -hmm. and 
blue face, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So now you have a practice that sees patients along with a kitchen, along with a fitness studio to actually take what your dream was, which other people said, this isn't gonna happen because this isn't how it's always been done. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're gonna keep doing. Mm -hmm. You're just one person. right? But now you have taken that and you've implemented, literally it is a real space. And you've taken that to help not only your own profession, but the, the concept of integration of interprofessional collaboration. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, that, that's, that's doctors, blah, blah. Well, now she sees the value of working with other healthcare professionals mm -hmm. like pharmacists. So if you are in a system that you are not agreeing with, you're just one person, but that's exactly what everything starts from. You have to have a community, you have to have support. When you're in pharmacy school, you've got structure, you've got certainty, you know a clear plan for growth with a focused target to hit. Graduate, pass the boards, and get a job. But once you're a pharmacist, the feeling is described as being disorganized, no plan or structure, feeling uncertain about what's next, almost like you're an imposter competing against everybody else. If you're looking for a clear growth plan specific to what you wanna do in growing your career in a supportive community that keeps you accountable, you need the Pharmacist Growth Group. Whether you're a new grad or a seasoned pharmacist, if confusion has been going up and your confidence has been going down, I wanna invite you into clarity confidence and consistent growth, personal and professional progress to live life on your terms. Happiness is not an endpoint. Happiness is progress. Click the link in the show notes to join hosted by yours truly. I'll see you on the inside. but you have to be the person that is bold enough to step forward and claim your space unapologetically yes. so that you take what you're doing and put it into practice. And when you do that, people will follow, but not until you follow yourself from your passion. So now you've done this mm -hmm. and now you work with some pretty cool pharmacists. I, I heard, do. I heard. I never <laughs> I like pharmacists so much, but I do. No, they're just, yeah, working with Blueberry, um, working with your team at Blueberry um, and just getting to know Kyle over these past few years, like it's just such a huge blessing. But even above that relationship is the relationship with the patients. Yes. That, um, you know, knowing that my patients are texting me saying, oh my gosh, I talked to Kyle today and he helped me with this medication question or that I can text you guys and just say, hey, what do you think about these, you know, drug, drug interactions? Is this a good choice for this person's fill in the blank? Like that is invaluable, invaluable. Yes. It's a patient safety issue. Mm -hmm. It's a patient satisfaction issue. And it's a patient compliance issue. And what we've realized so much in the traditional model is that compliance goes out the window. Yep. Because if you don't have someone you can easily get a hold of, who can explain to you, wait, why am I on that blood pressure medicine again? Yep. Or what is that thing that I'm taking and what do I need to remember I shouldn't do? Why does it cost this much? I can't take it. You know, I can't buy this right now. And then that just gets lost in the mix. And then you come for your next annual visit and your doc says, hey, how's that blood pressure medicine going? And you say, I haven't been taking it. That, that never like, happens. That never, that ever never happens. happens. And really, I mean, that is a that is a prime example and it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And we're combating that. Yeah, exactly. And it all comes down to what action you're going to take. So what I really want to close with and leave people with is you went on this tremendous journey 
And it started with a really powerful idea of what you wanted to create. Mm -hmm. It was tied to a really powerful reason why you wanted to do that, to really optimize and revolutionize patient care, both from the pers pr perspective of the provider, but also and more ultimately for the patient. For the outcomes that, if you think about it guys, we're all tied to the same deal, helping people get healthier. It's that simple. But as we know, the red tape, the corporate, all that thing started to make it a little bit murky. Mm -hmm. So what I want to uh, ask you to share is if someone is in this place where they feel totally overwhelmed, they feel like the man has them down, mm -hmm. there's too many like red tape things going on and they're, they're just one person. Mm -hmm. They have this idea, they have this passion and every now and then it comes out, but they're just snuffed out mm -hmm. from the status quo. What are some tips you can give people for how to take the first and or next step mm -hmm. to really turn that passion into something tangible they can do? Well, I love that word you used, unapologetic, because that's been in my mind so much lately. So it's weird you said that, um, because I've just been thinking lately, I, I, at this point in my business, I'm unapologetic about this mission yes. because it's very mission driven and I know it's the right thing. And I always knew it was the right thing. I just was in different circumstances and, you know, the traditional model. Yes. So even if you are, even if you are financially trapped in that job, it happens to so many people, oh, right? Yeah. Like you need to provide for yourself and for your family. Even if you feel like there's, I'm not leaving right now. Be unapologetic in your mission and how you treat your patients and how you treat your clients and how you treat people around you and just live it in that and start to live it. And when you see what it feels like to start to live that unapologetic mission, it starts to brew. And yes. when that starts to brew and that fire goes and that passion builds, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It could be five years down the line. Yes. But it will show itself. And if you are scared of going on your own, there are, there, I guarantee you, if you have an idea, someone else in the world has that same idea. Yes. So you find your community, find your support, and maybe you link up with someone else. You know, maybe yes. you link up with someone else who's already doing it, or you link up with someone else to just spitball and talk about ideas and start to build that fire. Hey. Yeah. So like, <laughs> find, find your community, find that support. Um, because again, it, it might not be all gangbusters right away. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this and it's, I'm going on my own. I'm going rogue. Not everyone's going to be crazy, right? But really, you just find your community and start to build that fire and something will come from it. Can we get a fist bump for crazy? Crazy. Crazy is a good thing. And it's funny because really what she's talking about is like my whole passion is to help people unapologetically own their fire. Mm -hmm. And what that really means is to really come into context with all parts of you so that you live your personal brand. And that doesn't matter where you are, but you have to own where you are unapologetically mm -hmm. and start that so that you live and breathe in integrity. It's not perfection, it's progression into what makes you you and consistently pursue that relentlessly so that over time you develop that. You might not be where you want to be and that's actually a good thing because if you were, I'd say you were lying. None of us where we want to be. You've heard what this woman has created. She's not where she wants to be. She's getting a lot farther ahead, but she's got dreams, she's got aspirations, she's got things she's gonna be. She's got a place she's gonna go and she's, there's people that she's going to take there, including her patients. So when you really unapologetically own your fire, and you really develop that personal brand by understanding where you are and capitalize, really take an inventory mm -hmm. of all the assets, of all the pain, of all the hurt, of all the growth, of all the lessons. And then you consistently dive in and grow those for the service of others. That is how you get started. True or true? Yeah. True. Awesome. Very true. So obviously people are like, holy crap, I've never heard of this. This doctor's amazing. Like, well, how do I learn more? What do I 
Tell us where they can follow you. Yeah, Tell you, us how they can consume more. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can follow me at, at Natalie Gentili MD. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is Natalie Gentili MD. Um, and then our website for our practice is directcarepgh.com, where you can learn about the direct primary care model. Excellent. And I'll have all those links in the show notes. Doc, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Now we're going to go walk and yeah. actually put what we're talking about into practice. Walk with a doc. What yes. a concept. <laughs> All right, guys. So with that being said, you need to go and unapologetically own your fire because when you do that, the change you wish to see in pharmacy and healthcare, whatever it is, it starts with you. So go forth, be great and dispense your full potential. Signing off with the one and only Natalie Gentili. Mm -hmm. This is Dr. Adam Martin signing off with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. God bless.